What's poppin' fam? Welcome to Don't Touch My Mindset, a podcast that is designed to uplift, inspire, and motivate you, and most importantly, share tools to help you protect that mindset. What is up? What is up? Welcome back, world. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. We are back with another episode, another mindset, another pivotal moment. Yo, I feel like it's been so long since we've actually just sat down and enjoyed a good conversation and somebody's perspective on their mindset and what it means to them to not touch their mindset. And I'm bringing you a very, very special guest. We're going across the border again. All right, we're going up to Canada. And um, this person is just a leader, an inspirator, somebody who's really built something in the past two years from the ground up. When we had this conversation, it was right before they were two years alcohol free and it was just like the the growth and development sense just wow wow yo hopefully you are enjoying your december getting ready for the holidays getting all snuggled in you know um remember standing your power remember that you know boundaries are a thing and um you have the power to say no you have the power to uplift you have the power to choose what love you get to participate in so don't feel obligated we are under no obligation to suffer i just want to drop a little inspiration before we dive into this episode uh please rate review follow the show if this is your first time here um if anything resonates with you from this episode share it with a friend share it on instagram follow the show at dj chase or at don't touch my mindset please 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 tell us what you think um i love you guys let's dive super excited and just happy let's just say happy let's say happy i'm just happy to be here with probably the happiest person that i've seen in a while um, i have a very special guest this week uh madeline please tell everybody who you are what you do how you're feeling what's going on girl how are you hi i'm doing well thanks um how are you doing i'm good i'm good, good. i'm happy good <laughs> Well, that's a good segue. Um, yeah, I'm Madeline. Um, I run uh, a sober Instagram account called Happiest Sober. Um, so I quit drinking in November 2020 and started kind of sharing online about it pretty shortly after that. Um, and I've just, I've just kind of been, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years is kind of, um, I guess, growing a bit of an Instagram community, a sober community on there, and. Um, yeah, it's something I've become really passionate about. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. I think you're doing amazing things. That's why I wanted you on the show. So thank you for blessing us. Thank you for blessing us. Um, one question that I ask all my guests. Um, so if you take away all the titles, all the labels, the trials, the tribulations, all the failures, all the successes, if you take it all away, who are you and why are you here? Oh my gosh, that's a really question who am i um oh my god i don't know i have to think on that can we end on that one that's yes, so ma'am. that's so big yes ma'am yes ma'am um <laughs> so um i one i love that question because a lot a lot of people often associate with their titles 
Mm. Like that becomes their identity of who they are. And yeah. when, I, when, when I was faced with this question uh, early in my sobriety journey, um, I kind of thought about it. It took me like a week to figure it out. And then as, as I cycle more and as I evolve more, I believe that I exist to lead with generosity and unconditional love, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but follow with care and understanding. So there's space for everyone. Um, just just a little tip there um, on, on why I asked that. And so, you know, we could really get in touch with who we are. So what made you stop drinking? <laughs> yeah. The, the main thing that made me stop drinking was, I mean, obviously, I knew for a while that I had a problematic relationship with alcohol. But for me, what gave me the push was that um, alcohol caused me terrible anxiety. Mm. Um, almost every time I drank, I would wake up in the morning feeling absolutely like crippled with anxiety about what did I do? What did I say? Like, even if I remembered the whole night, even if it wasn't really a night where I blacked out or, or went overboard, I still would be like, well, there could be things that I forgot. Like I could never quiet that voice of feeling so unsettled about the fact that I had been drunk the night before or been drinking the night before and not being in total control of myself. And so not knowing what might've happened. Um, and it just got worse with time. And I hit a point where one morning I woke up and nothing had happened the night before at all. I was drinking with one of my closest friends it was like a good night and I woke up feeling so anxious and it was just this like clear moment where I was like, I cannot stand this feeling anymore. Like I can't keep living like this. Yo, I, one, I relate to that too. Mm -hmm. um, congratulations on Thank just being you. able to take control and know what you want. Um, Let's fast forward. I know I'm way out of order here, but <laughs> how has your life changed since that decision? Oh my gosh, it's changed so much. I'm so much happier, um, <laughs> hence, the, hence the name, but I really am. I'm so much happier. I feel like I had gotten to a point in my drinking where like, I got pleasure in my life from drinking rather than finding pleasure in life itself. Like everything was just an excuse to drink and things that used to make me happy on their own would be like, oh, let's do that and have drinks while we do it. And that was what made it like a fun thing to do. Um, and so I, just like knowing that now I, I get like joy from my actual life and not from like a bottle of wine is such an empowering feeling. Um, I like myself so much better now. Like, I think that getting sober has made me just so much more of a confident person. I think there's just so much growth that comes with sobriety because like you have to, it, it kind of forces growth out of you because you're, you're facing a lot of feelings that you aren't used to feeling anymore. Um, I used to carry so much shame about my drinking. I've, I've, I don't, I'm not living with that shame anymore. Um, I have now a lot of new connections with people in the sober community that I'm so grateful for. Um, it's made my relationships better. Uh, it's, it's changed my life completely and in all the best ways. <laughs> I love it. I mean, so obviously the, the, the good outweighs the bad of not drinking, mm -hmm. right? Like the FOMO oh, and things like 100%. that. 100%. Uh, so 
what if you remember if you want to go there you let me know what did a a, a normal regular day look like for you when you were drinking like what what, what mm-hmm. did you consider normal like what was a day-to-day for madeline when she woke up when she was drinking yeah i i i wasn't necessarily um like i wasn't like heavily physically addicted i didn't need i didn't need to necessarily drink alcohol to like get out of bed or anything and i didn't drink every day i would say i drink most days I would say I definitely binge drink on the weekends, but like I, I would get up and work and like oftentimes I would drink after work. I'd go home and have wine after work or I would still kind of go out on a weeknight and drink and drink too much um, and then feel extremely anxious about it the next day. But something I, I really do think that from the outside looking in, my drinking did seem pretty normal because I think heavy drinking is very normalized. Um, I'm not saying there were no red flags because there definitely were red flags and the, like definitely some of the closest people in my life saw them. Um, but I think that it did look pretty, pretty normal, but I definitely drank too much. Um, I relied on alcohol too much to, to feel good and to have fun and um, to feel like it felt like something that made me really happy, even though actually it, it didn't in the long term it maybe did in the short term um so yeah definitely was my my life began to revolve more and more around drinking as time went on it's a slippery slope like mm-hmm. i mean for for anyone right you know whether that's uh, a drink only on friday turns to a drink thursday and friday and saturday then that turns into tuesday thursday friday and then yeah. you and then you look up you're drinking more than you're not drinking right mm-hmm. you know? 100%. i 100 I, I completely completely understand that and agree with that so take me to the pivotal moment and it doesn't necessarily have to be when you know you quit drinking or anything like that i mean if I, i'm i'm thinking of like that moment where you realize you're like whoa like this has to change because if I keep going down this road, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I won't be effective in my life. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting because I think I had a few what I would call pivotal moments if I look back, but then I slipped there were a couple and then I slipped back into denial about it. Mm-hmm. Um so there was the last one where it really stuck, but there were some where I kind of like found the courage to face it a little bit and then slip back into denial about it. So one of the first ones was um, when I was 24, I moved to Australia and I lived there for a year. Um, and I, I was just doing a working holiday. I was bartending um, and I partied a ton and I drank almost every day while I was there because I gave myself this like justification of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm living abroad. I'm, I'm having this like fun working holiday experience. Um, and my drinking got so out of hand that year to the point where um, I really looked at it in a serious way for the first time. Um, I read up on a sober blog for the first time ever. Um, but I woke up that day and I said, I'm gonna take this month off of drinking um, because I was feeling so terrible about where I was at. And that was the day that I looked up a sober blog um, and I said, I'm taking a month off. And then I drank that day. Um, And by the end of my year there, I was really feeling like, oh my God, I have to get this uh, under control. When I get back home, I can't keep 
carrying on this way. Um, and when I got home, I, I did get it under control to a certain extent. Like I wasn't, my drinking habits weren't the same as they were while I was there, but they were still way more than I knew I should be. Um, and then about a year after that, I went to my work Christmas party. So I was back, back at home. I went to my work Christmas party and I blacked out. And that was for me who like, even with my best friends or with like my sisters and like my immediate family would get intense hangover anxiety the next day with like my closest people. That was my worst case scenario, being with coworkers and then waking up in the morning and being like, I don't remember leaving. I have no idea if I did something terrible or embarrassing and having to live with that anxiety all weekend and go into work on Monday and not know what I was walking into. Is someone gonna say something? Um, so that that made me take a month off. And it was the only time I'd ever taken like uh, any length of time off of drinking. Um, and, and then it just really became like a month where alcohol was my reward at the end. I stayed up until midnight after the month to drink wine right at midnight and like celebrate <laughs> my month off of booze. Um, and then a couple months later was when uh, the pandemic turned life upside down and we went into lockdowns and um, I started really heavily drinking to get through that. Um, and then uh, and then that summer was when I when I finally hit my point where I knew for a while, like I was like the anxiety was getting so much worse and it, it just became unbearable and then that was finally when i just woke up one morning after the most uneventful night and was just like i cannot continue wow yo i i always always want give those who made the choice to stop flowers like you're 10 steps ahead of me of where i was in my journey because i like i was forced to stop um mm. like i woke up in a jail cell and then i wasn't released like i went to prison then i wasn't released until like for six months after that and so like my sobriety yeah. journey started six months in <laughs> like yeah. in the real world but um so i always 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 want to just show like that's it that's a strong choice like Thank i've never i've never made that choice even being five years sober, going on six years sober, I've never made that choice to stop, you know? And so that's huge. And, I, and, I, and that's what I want people to understand that if you get to the point where like, you're, you're, you're wrestling with the thought, try something different. If you get to the point where you feel like, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to wake up like this anymore. Yo, do something different, right? And, and, and you still made a choice to credit yourself as well. You still did make a choice because lots of people, nothing will stop them, right? True true you know that was a big coming to jesus talk that was a big yeah. coming to jesus talk <laughs> i'll tell you that uh but that but then we make that choice every single day now yeah um so what what does a day like today look like for you someone who's, who's you know living the life that they want to live they're living a better quality of life than they were two years ago like i mean you're coming up on two years aren't you november yeah yeah it'll be yeah. two years in november yo oh my gosh all right we're about to unpack this okay so <laughs> what's uh what's uh cause I, yo trust me i remember two years and it's like yeah it's mm, but i want to i want to hear from your perspective so but what is a what does a day like today look like for you it's like a day a regular day in the life um mm. I mean, I write, I post on my Instagram every day. So I, I, I start every day by writing like a post about sobriety. 
um, which has really been something that has kept me so accountable, um, being really like involved in the online community. Um, so I post, so I, I always feel really like connected. I feel like I'm connected to, to a bunch of sober friends all day long. Um, and I have like, my mom is sober. She's been sober since she was 21. And it's been something that we've really bonded over. Um, she's been like such a support system for me. Um, so like a lot, a lot of conversations with her and I'm just like, um, I've continued on with like having a really full social life. Like I still, I still go out in the evenings. I go out on the weekends and I drink my mocktails while other people drink their drinks. And I don't let it stop me from having fun. Like I just have a different definition of fun now. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't come from booze anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so I just think I'm, I'm just so much more present in my life now, um, regardless of whether I'm doing different things or the same things, I'm I'm present and I'm finding happiness from from what I'm doing and from like actually connecting with people and not connecting over feeling like this like bond over getting drunk together. Have you ever read um, The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz? No. Absolutely beautiful book. Please, please, okay. please put it on your reading list. I will. I will. Cause I okay. Send it to me. Yeah. Cause I, I reading was a big part of um, early sobriety for me. I could not stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, one me too. Like, I, 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 when I got released from prison, the only thing that was on my mind was like, I want to be a good person. Cause I've been drilled in my head that I'm not. Right. And I was like, I just want to be a good person. I want to be a good person. I want to be a good person. And so I just started reading and I didn't read any quitlet. I didn't read any, mm -hmm. anything like that. I read all spiritual and personal development books and I didn't even know I was reading them. Like the first book I read was the spiritual actions, uh, or the spiritual or the spiritual actions of a good person. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, I want to be a good person. <laughs> I was like, whatever. <laughs> And so, like, I picked that up. And then, um, have you heard of The Four Agreements by Don Miguel? Yes, I've read that one. Yo, phenomenal. And I, I don't loved know, it. I don't know. Then definitely read The Mastery of Love. And, okay. But the, and, and I don't know if it's, and I don't know if it's for sure in The Mastery of Love or if it's in The Four Agreements, but when he talks about going out to a bar and everybody is socializing and hanging out and it mm -hmm. looks like they're having fun, but what it really is is misery enjoying their company yeah yeah you know, and i was like wow it was like when you go to a bar and you're you're drinking and you're socializing with other people who drink it's lowering your vibrations to the same vibrations yeah. as that and so that that's why you guys can can align so well because you're both on low, low vibrations you know mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there reading that i was like yo that makes 100 percent like sense Okay, this makes so much sense to me because I actually just had like a week or two ago, a bit of a light bulb moment for me or just like, yeah, kind of an aha moment because I had gone out um, to celebrate my sister's birthday and we were bar hopping. Mm -hmm. And I've always, I don't know, I almost want to say I've prided myself on being like, I don't have to change just because I'm sober. I can still go out and have fun and enjoy the bar and this and that and we were out and it was a long night. We went to lots of different places. And at about midnight, I hit my point where I'm like, I've had my fun, but now I'm done. I want to go home. I want to go to bed. This isn't fun anymore. But because it was a birthday, I, I stuck it out and we ended up being out until close to almost 
like 2 a.m. And I ended up struggling internally because I, w I was done and I felt kind of guilty about that. I felt like, what's wrong with me that I can't be having fun anymore? I should be able to. And I chatted about it with my mom the next day and she was kind of like, because that the thing that's fun about it is that you're there drinking. Like no normal person who wasn't drinking wants to sit at a bar for eight hours straight. And it just like, I was like, it's true. I can still go out and have fun, but it's okay if that is sh shorter for me now. Mm -hmm. It's okay if like I can enjoy going out for two hours and enjoy socializing. But then once, once it keeps going and people are just going to keep drinking and getting drunker, I can go home. And that doesn't mean I'm not fun. That just means I have a different definition of fun now. Um, and, and that was like something that I think was a really important realization for me was to not feel guilty about that and not feel like I'm letting other people down because it's about not letting myself down. You know, it's absolutely vital that you mm -hmm. show up for yourself during mm -hmm. your, your, your journey of sobriety, because when you're mending your heart and if you're not true to your heart, you're like, you're not going to be able to be true to anyone. Right. Um, I, I truly believe we can only love outwardly to the depths and capacity that we love inwardly. So if we're denying ourselves, lying to ourselves, telling ourselves that we need to be doing this or that and that, that's going to feed over to our relationships with our partners, our families and our loved ones and even our networking relationships, you know, at work is what I think, you know, it's what I truly believe. Um, I had a question before I said all of that. <laughs> um... You know, what's super interesting, though, is that you are almost two years sober and you still are able to change your definition of fun and still enjoy yourselves and go out. Um, because I have like this principle that anybody I work with, so I'm a recovery coach and anybody that I work with is that when we're recovering your life. So it's it's not just about being um, addicted to anything, even if you have to take it that far, but we're going to recover areas in your life that you've been suppressing due to alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about changing yourself, changing yourself, but not changing your environment, mm -hmm. growth will be like slow and difficult. Growth will be slow and difficult. And if you change your environment, but you don't change yourself, growth will be slow and difficult. But if you change yourself and your environment at the same time, growth will be fast and successful. It's never easy, but it'll be fast and successful. So it, it makes me wonder, how has your journey been with still partaking in the things that you're doing, but, you know, staying focused enough to not go back to that old person you were? Because I don't know if you know, but like 85% of people actually return to use within the first year because of their environment, because of boredom and isolation. So I'm like, I'm like, how, how'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that for the first seven months of my sobriety, I couldn't really go out because of um, being locked down. Like in, I live in Toronto and we had some of the tightest COVID mm. restrictions in terms of like being locked down for a long period of time. So, when I first went out sober, I was seven months sober. So at the time, it was really difficult because I was living alone in lockdown, newly sober. It was very isolating for sure. And it was a hard time. Obviously, early sobriety is a really challenging time. So I did feel it did feel like a lot of things, a lot of hard things all at once. Um, and then and then part of me felt like 
oh well i'm not even being challenged by having like it's not like i'm having to go be in social situations so how do i know that i'm actually going to be able to do this once that time comes um but i think i was really lucky that the first time i really had to face those challenges i already had those months under my belt so i think something that i thought at the time was like a disadvantage actually was it like timing working out perfectly for me um because i think if i had been trying to do that in like those early months i would have been a lot more inclined to be like well i'll start on monday um but i already had so much momentum by the time i kind of integrated back into like having a social life i love that 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 <laughs> um because it, it, it's it's kind of similar with me where i didn't come out into like the real world until i was six months over right yo and then like when i came out you know the whole reason i developed this whole change yourself um and change your environment is because i was a changed person but i went back into the same environment and so my friends my people my places the bars and the things that I were doing, the people I was, the things I was surrounding myself with were the same before I left, right? Before I changed. And, but I truly think it was how much I valued my freedom, how much I valued my sobriety, how much I valued where my life was headed. So I think, man, and I'm glad you said that because it, I, I believe it's like vital for um, us to spend six months by ourselves you know to actually really get to i think there's three levels of mastery understanding self understanding others and recognizing situational needs those are the three levels of mastery that if you can figure that out if you can figure those things out then you got it there ain't nothing that's going to stop you in life right and so with that being said on you can rate it on a scale of one to ten i like to say on a scale of one to ten on a scale of one to ten ten being absolutely must one being that it doesn't matter at all how important do you think it is to spend the f first 90 to six, 90 days to six months by yourself when trying to get sober mm. it's you know it's funny it's hard to say because i d i didn't have a choice neither did you um so i don't know how it would have how it would have gone I think it's important probably to, in the early days, whether it's by yourself or not, I think it's probably important to not necessarily be going out to those same places. Like, I really do think if, if life had been normal at that point and I was trying to consistently go out to bars, like, I think it would have taken me a lot longer to get sober. So I do think, I mean, I think spending time with yourself and getting to know yourself and working on yourself in early sobriety absolutely crucial absolutely um let's shake it up if your if your childhood was a smell what would it be a smell yeah oh. a smell the yes. first thing that came into my mind it sounds really cheesy but the first thing that came into my mind is fresh baked cookies why because i have an amazing mom um mm. and she loves to bake <laughs> and actually baking cookies used to be her little mantra for herself about her happy place like and she's always told 
told me this story that whenever life was stressful, she would just in her head, I'm baking cookies. Then the kitchen baking cookies was her little. Um, so that's what comes to my mind because I look back so fondly on my mom. There were challenging aspects of my childhood. Um, my dad, my dad's an alcoholic. Um, he was sober when my parents got married and then he relapsed when uh, I was eight and was kind of absent and out of rehab for a lot of my life. He is seven years sober now. Um, so I'm not saying it was perfect by any stretch, but when I look back, I do look back really fondly because my mom played the mom and dad role incredibly. 100% I feel that. Um, cause my, dad, my, my, my biological father, I don't know why I say, I don't know why I just said biological. <laughs> like I've only had one. <laughs> <laughs> But my dad wasn't in my life, um, most of my life, uh, yeah. like 90% of it. So I completely, I, I feel that pain and, and he drank himself to death in, in 2019. So I'm like, sorry to hear. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Like, I don't, like, one, I don't ever know what to say to people and they're like, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. I processed it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yes, like, it, it's sad. Um, so like, I feel that. I feel that. Like, I, I, I love my, I love my mom so much like uh, <laughs> I got my mom and my four sisters and I'm the only man that's left in my family wow and so it, I've, I've always taken on like this protector role this provider role and things like that and I'm the youngest and so it it makes me wonder for you if you I know this is if you didn't if you didn't have well one who do you look up to in sobriety my mom okay i, I figured that. i'm like <laughs> yeah. i made, I made Immediate, that assumption yeah <laughs> i was like come on jay four agreements don't make assumptions as um, two if you if you didn't have your mom who would you look up to in sobriety to keep you sober just as inspiration just for other people there who don't have your mom I think a lot of people who I admire, like um, Laura McCowan mm -hmm. is the author of um, We Are the Luckiest. And she also um, started a sobriety support group called The Luckiest Club, which I joined early on in sobriety and I joined those meetings. Um, I think I would look up to kind of public people who are sober. Mm -hmm. um, there are so many people who have written amazing books about it or who are sharing online about it. There's a whole community. So I think I, if I didn't have my mom, that's what I would be turning to. Absolutely. For, not that I don't also get inspiration from them, of course, but right. that, that's, that it's like, that's runner up to mom. Yeah. No, I get that. <laughs> I get that. That's, and like, that's, and I think that's important for people to know is that there are like some really, really good influential people out there that oh, are yeah. Sober. You know, and um, and you know, it's crazy that we're just having this conversation. It's focused around being alcohol free because that's one like, not what my that the podcast is all about. And so I love how this is unfolding. I love how this is unfolding because you know it's spirit led. Um, so question, let's let's run it right back. If you remove all of the titles, all of the trials, all of the successes, all of the failures, um, who are you and why are you here? I think what comes to mind, I just want to be an uplifter. Mm -hmm. I just want to uplift people. I love that. Um, I 
one this how do you how do you build relationships now if you can't meet somebody for a drink can't meet them out how do you yeah build, how do you build relationships now um i still will go out for a coffee or for a dinner or for you have a drink i'll have a mocktail um or or do things like do you can do activities if you're not comfortable in that kind of environment um but it's kind of a lot of the same just without me drinking alcohol yeah like and that's one thing that i i need a lot of people to understand is that yo like your your life does not change yeah it doesn't like you don't lose anything you gain yeah. a lot more than you lose um as long as you have core values to to stand on and fall back on um what are three of your core values three of my core values oh my gosh so many deep questions <laughs> i don't do surface level i'm sorry i should have warned <laughs> no, you no <laughs> i like it i like it um what are your three core values integrity accountability and honesty i love that okay mm. i feel like mine would be kindness um authenticity not trying mm. to be perfect mm -hmm. Um, hmm, what would my third one be? Kindness, authenticity. Um, I just like, this is not a value, but just joy. I just, I want to feel joy. I want to try to spread it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's what is life about, if not to just enjoy it and try to find happiness while we're here. Inspiration. Inspiration. Um, I love Edamato etymology and um inspiration means to breathe life into um mm. i truly i truly believe that we're, we're only happy 50 percent of the time but we got to figure it out when we're not happy and that, on what brings us joy but um in any situation life can be breathed into you brought to you mm. so I, I can definitely put put inspiration there along with the uplifting i i can see it in you so that's uh, good yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely so the most challenging thing in your life right now what is it in my life right now i think i think trying still to break free from people pleasing tendencies mm. um bringing it back to kind of like the aha i had before about feeling guilty about not wanting to be out all night anymore mm. um i think i still i really take on the weight of like what other people want from me um, and I, I worry, this was something I really struggled with early on in sobriety was kind of feeling like I was letting other people down by no longer being their drinking buddy. Um, and that's something I don't necessarily feel that so much anymore. Um, but to some extent I do, I do sometimes feel this like responsibility to, to be what other people want me to be or to, mm. to make them happy above myself. So that's something that I'm still trying to untangle from no that's and I, I think that's a huge common issue especially in people who value relationships uh people who value like people interaction and uh and also in those who are very supportive of other people because they tend to be non-expressive to themselves so they put themselves on the back burner um so i get it i get it i i struggle with people pleasing i'm um, just because yeah. i want to help everybody 
Like, I, I, I think, it, what do they call it? Savior complex? Like, I have savior complex out of this world. I'm like, look, come here, bring me your problems. Um, but what is the most exciting thing in your life right now? I think, like, everything, um, like, what I'm doing with the sober community online. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started, I've started a podcast with a friend who I met um, on sober Instagram. Uh, things I just kind of have in the works there is definitely, definitely the most exciting thing for me right now. That's growth. Growth is always exciting. I think humans are only useful when stretched. Like I know that sounds terrible, but like we have to be stretched. We have to be put outside of our comfort zone because our ceiling is nothing but the floor of our next level. And once we feel like, quote me, <laughs> like I will. <laughs> and and once we feel like we hit our ceiling, we need to stretch a little bit more. Like like the the law of the rubber band. Um, do you like who you are now? I do. Yeah, it, I do. Good. If you could make a phone call, a 20-second phone call to your future self, what would you say? I feel like um, my future self, I feel like it'd be easier if it was my past self. Of course, you've already lived it. (laughs) I know, I would just want to reassure. I could just go back and be like, don't worry. (laughs) What would I want to say to my future self? I feel like I would just want to ask questions. <laughs> I just, you... I, what if I can't? I just have to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, uh, stay sober, <laughs> and and I would I would just I would want to make sure that I was still prioritizing like my my mom and my sisters and those relationships and um. I don't know. It's hard to think of advice for my for my future self. It would more just want to be like making reassurances that I'm still on kind of the right path. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good answer. <laughs> no good, no good or bad, no right or wrong. <laughs> um, it, it, it's it's my little experiment because um, mm-hmm. I, I love it. There's a there's a there's an old study that I found that when people um, like some scientists studied some people and they asked them to think about themselves in the past and like a certain part of the brain lit up and then they they asked them to think about a stranger and the other side of the brain lit up and then they were asked to think about themselves in the future and the same side that the brain lit up that the stranger did lit up so it's like that's fascinating right like over 80 percent of people don't have a relationship with their future self so they yeah because i really genuinely don't know how to answer that question yo 100 percent, and that and that's okay and um yeah and it's it's like i want and then people are always asking what would you say to your past self i'm like yo life can only be understood backwards but we're forced to experience it forward so what would we say to our future self who do we want to be and how do we become that you know i love that that is food for thought yeah a hundred percent um so I, I, I dove into it and um and so I actually um <laughs> I I wanna it... know what you'd say to yours. <laughs> oh absolutely, absolutely. Well I, I put it into practice and I actually make a, a one minute phone call to myself every uh every day. Or or right I love that to my future self because I like yeah. I know I know what he looks like. I know I know what kind of facial hair he has. 
I know where what he's doing. Um, I know where he's standing, where he's living. And then I reverse engineer to get there, right? It's like a manifesting kind of practice almost. Do you think of it that way? Manifestation 2.0. Like, yeah, people, I love that. A lot of people talk about it, but not a lot of people put things into action. And I'm yeah. like, like I said, my core values, accountability. I need, I, I need action, right? And what kinds of things do you say to your future self? Um, Sorry, I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> I'm so curious. <laughs> no, that. you're good. Um, <laughs> one, I always start off with you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you're on the right path, 100%. So don't worry about what happened yesterday, but measure your maturity about how you handle rejection today, okay? Mm -hmm. And keep going. Because there's people out there that will not be the best versions of themselves until you become the best versions of, version of yourself. So stay focused, stay inspired, and stay connected to source. Always. I love that. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's like, yo, because no matter if we're in the future, if we're in the past, that's what we're expressing and what we're feeling. Doubt in ourselves, you know? Like, that, that has been a prevalent problem throughout my entire life, right? Mm. And so, and I can only speak for myself. So whether that reassurance is coming from past self or future self, I need it. And, and that's just who I am to stay, to stay focused. And I've, I've discovered that about myself, of course. And so it always makes mm -hmm. me interesting of what people feel like they need the most, you know? Yeah. And I feel like if you're giving yourself like those feelings in the present, then yeah, you're creating it for your future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're just building a relationship. That's all. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that. Please do. With me. <laughs> Please do. Please do. Please do. Uh, pass or pay it forward. That's what they yeah. say. Pay it forward. Yeah. Um, yo, uh, we're going to do some rapid fire off the top of the head questions here. Um, favorite color? Yellow. Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, friends. Favorite movie? Um, never been kissed. Um... What is your favorite wild animal? A monkey. <laughs> They're cute. They're really cute. Wait, that she said that? It's phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> favorite fruit? Raspberries. Um, favorite smell? Um, French vanilla candles. Flip-flops or Birkenstocks? Flip-flops. Cowboy boots, yay or nay? Yay. Mm. On men or women? Women. Okay, there we go. That's a little different. I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about all I got tapped out there. Um, if you could tell somebody who is six months behind you in their journey, what would you tell them? I would tell them that it keeps getting better and better. Like, I, I, I feel like... Um, I even noticed so many changes when I look from like a year to 18 months and then 18 months to a year. Like, I feel like sometimes you feel like you're trying to get to like one year and then you feel like you've kind of got it. And I feel like what I've realized is there are so many, so much, so many changes and like progress that I continue to notice as time goes on. Um, so I would just, I would just say it really does just keep getting better sobriety specifically 100 percent. 
100%. And um, four things you're grateful for right now. Ooh, this conversation, um, morning coffee, my mom, and um, that I can travel again. Um, so when it comes to communication, how was the best way to communicate with you? And how did you figure that out? The best way to communicate with me. I think, um, I grew up like my mom's a life coach and I grew up with a household where we were super open about our feelings and we didn't take around things um and so i think i think just that i think um being open i like i don't shy away from talking about kind of big things or emotional things um so yeah this just being sounds so cliche to say being open and honest but um i think it's just something i've always been kind of comfortable with absolutely it's not it's not cliche it's who you are um I, I believe there's like four communication styles, whether that's open and indirect, open and direct, um, reserved and indirect, or reserved and direct. It's, mm. it's about the way it goes. Either I'm outgoing and or I'm reserved. Either I'm task oriented or I'm people oriented, right? Mm. And so if I'm open and direct, that means I'm people oriented, and I want people to know how I'm communicating. So there's nothing cliche about that it's okay. just who you who you are you have confidence in that and i think there's a lot less people and in, in actuality there's only like 30 percent of the people in the world that are like that that communicate like that um so like embrace that 100 percent. tell people how you feel always communication is key um, <laughs> um last question that i got for you okay. um last one and I, and I feel like I have to make it a, a, a really good question so if if, <laughs> if I'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> right if you if you if you were a pizza topping what pizza topping would you be um oh my god I would just be cheese why <laughs> Because <laughs> your face after you said that. <laughs> because I like you just can't go wrong with the cheese pizza. Okay. Fair you cannot enough. go wrong with it. And I love cheese. Fair enough. Four cheeses or six cheeses? Um, I guess I'll say six. Okay. There we go. Right? Why put a limit? Why go with the lower amount? Right? <laughs> um is there pepper jack cheese in this cheese pizza? Um, I I feel like no. No spice. I like spice, but not on my cheese pizza. <laughs> I do enjoy a jalapeno dipping sauce. <laughs> I'll dip the pizza in spice, but I don't want it on the pizza. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pepper jack cheese type of person. Okay, so okay. okay. <laughs> well, what would your pizza topping be? Um, My pizza topping would definitely be chicken. I'm good on anything. 
I'm good on anything. Okay. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it don't matter chicken sandwiches chicken pizzas chicken i'm chicken i'm chicken we mix well it's true you cannot go wrong <laughs> <laughs> oh man hey thank you for for being here thank you for joining me on the show please tell everybody everything about you what you got going on where they can find you if they want to connect with you um shameless plug go yes Thank you so much for having me. Um, this has been such a fun conversation. Uh, I You can find me on Instagram at happiest sober. Um, and also um, I do a podcast with my friend Haley called Sip Talk. Mm-hmm. And the Instagram account for the podcast is at Sip Talk underscore. Ooh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I love it. I listened to your first episode, so keep rocking. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Oh, thank you. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you for being here.